Sometimes we know that we speak in English of those who consider the glass half empty and those who consider the glass half full. And you might say that we see the difference in the two attitudes in both our first reading and our gospel reading today. In both cases, Joshua in the first reading, the disciple St. John in the gospel reading, are taking a sort of a glass half empty attitude as they see that someone is doing something, prophesying in one case, using Jesus' name to cast out demons in another case, and they say, not everything is here that needs to be here. Not, not everything is present. Something's not right. The glass is half empty. We should stop them. But Jesus, we see, takes, you might say, the glass half full attitude, as does Moses. And they say, no. Sure, there is something missing here, but what is going on is good. The glass is half full. Let's let this continue and let's encourage it. As our Holy Father has been visiting us this week, I think probably we all sense that of those two attitudes, were he to meet us, he would take the glass half full attitude, wouldn't he? Because we know that within ourselves, things are not always completely right. And it could be possible someone would look at us and say the glass is half empty, but that's not what he would say, is it? If he met us, he would look for what was good, what was living, what was loving, and he would point to that and encourage and say, look, the glass is half full, and be happy about it, and encourage us to go further. And surely that is one of those things that draws so many people to him, and that causes such a stirring in their hearts. And a stirring in the hearts is what we've been hearing a lot during this week. Various commentators have spoken of this and spoken of how contact with the Pope seems to touch a longing in people's hearts that perhaps they didn't even know was there. And yet there it is, brought to life. This desire for something, this life. It may be that each of us here today may find such a stirring in our hearts as a result of this week. And surely it is present in so many people that you know who may not be here right now, whether they be in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, that there is this stirring of this longing. Regard to others, we know that we need to make sure we don't take the disciples' glass half empty attitude, but rather take the glass half full attitude and encourage what is there to grow. And so, too, with ourselves. Now, what this stirring is in us may vary according to where we've been, what that stirring is that we feel right now. So, let's consider sort of three possible stages sort of different kinds of stirrings that any of us might be feeling, perhaps especially as a result of listening to or watching our Holy Father. The first case would be that we might feel somewhat like that man in the Gospel, who doesn't seem to have been especially close to Jesus, and yet is discovering something new. In his case, he had discovered somehow that the name of Jesus was powerful. 
in setting people free from the oppression of demons. And so what an amazing discovery, what a reward for them and for him to find that he could use Jesus' name. So too, it may be that you or others you know have not been so close to Jesus or have not been so close to his church. And yet you have seen in Pope Francis once life and energy, joy, love, compassion for those who are suffering, a constant mercy shown. And you may have responded by saying, that's wonderful. And to feel that something has been stirred or awakened within you, a faith, a hope, brought back to life or perhaps strengthened for what it was, as if something has been passed to you, or as if you say, you know, I would like to be like him. How can I be like him? And these questions then lead us onward. Perhaps I can draw closer to this church that he leads. But what is it all about? The man in the gospel might have said, Jesus' name is powerful, but why? Why is his name powerful? Who is Jesus? What does he do? What does he want from me? And so we too might say, the Pope, he is the vicar of Christ. Who is this Jesus that he preaches and serves and represents? And so we draw near when we see that in Jesus we also see that life, that joy, that compassion, that love, that mercy, to an even greater degree, that he is the source of all of these things in Pope Francis. And learn that he is God-made man who came to save us, to set us free from the sin that holds us captive and to help us to grow into saints. In this way, we may find ourselves imitating one of those Americans Pope Francis mentioned in his speech to Congress. Dorothy Day, who as a young woman in the 1920s in New York City, having not been especially religiously active growing up, very concerned about social justice, about setting wrongs rights, Nevertheless, her personal life was a bit of a mess. But she found that when she came to Catholic churches and would sit quietly, that she found a comfort and a warmth. She didn't know why, but she would just keep doing it because she liked that. And then one day when she found herself pregnant with her daughter, she realized that what she wanted most for her daughter was faith. And she realized that that was actually what she wanted most for herself. And that became her, her search to find out who is this Jesus? What is this church? And what is it to have faith in him? If that is you, ask those questions and seek, learn about Jesus and draw close to him to find out about this Jesus that Pope Francis represents to you. If that is the first stage, Perhaps instead you are at the second stage. Perhaps you know about Jesus and you know also about what it looks like to be his disciple. You know from examples of whether it be the apostles in the New Testament or the saints throughout the ages or Pope Francis himself, what it means to accept his teaching and to shape your life as a disciple. You know what that means, but maybe you haven't quite decided to do it. You've been weighing it up. You know that it can be hard. 
that to do it can be as hard as what Jesus describes using the image of amputation, and not that it takes actual cutting off of a hand or pulling out of an eye, but it might feel like that, right? To change our ways, to let go of a possession or a habit or a relationship might feel like you're taking off a part of your body. Are you ready to do that? This was a similar question that faced another of the Americans that Pope Francis mentioned, Thomas Merton, also not having grown up religiously active as a young man in New York City in the 1930s. As he was drawn to Catholic thought and the Catholic view of the world, he began to read and be drawn to the lives of St. Augustine and also the Jesuit poet Gerard Manley Hopkins, both of whom became priests or bishops. And he too felt that calling. And so he had to decide, as perhaps you have to decide, this is what it means to commit. This is what it means to change and decide and shape my life as a disciple. Am I ready to actually say yes to that? Let Pope Francis' example of how rewarding it is to follow Christ move you to say yes. Yes, I can trust him. Yes, I can say yes and follow him in this way with my whole life. If that is the second stage, perhaps you're at the third. Perhaps you have already made that commitment. Perhaps you have already shaped your beliefs, your priorities, your actions according to being a disciple of Christ. But it doesn't stop there, does it? You keep moving forward. And perhaps now Jesus is asking you to become something or to do something special. And it requires courage and walking into the unknown. Yesterday, arriving in Philadelphia, Pope Francis mentioned one of our American saints who had grown up in, the, in Philadelphia in the late 1800s, St. Catherine Drexel, daughter of a rich investment banker. By around the age of 30, she was able to travel to Rome and speak to Pope Leo XIII. All her life, she had been a devoted Catholic, and she talked to him about the needs of the mission efforts in the frontier west that she knew about. She asked him to send more priests. And then Pope Leo said to her, maybe you should become a missionary. Me? But those of you who know her history know that she did. And she founded a religious community and spent the rest of her long life serving in this way, having been called on to this new thing. Well, Francis himself, we know, began as a member of the Jesuits at different points of his life has been called forward to become a bishop, to become a cardinal, to become the Pope. Not something he would have ever expected, but it was a new invitation from our Lord. And he said yes. And St. Catherine said yes. And may you too be ready to say yes to this new invitation into the unknown in serving Christ. All of these stirrings invite us forward to see our Lord Jesus Christ, whom Pope Francis represents to us, and to say yes, to learn more about him, to commit ourselves to his disciples, or to step forward in this new thing that he asks of us, in this joy and love and mercy that we see in our Holy Father, assures us 
that even though our glass might be only half full, it is worth it to let Jesus keep filling it more and more all the way until we are complete. Here in Washington, Pope Francis declared to be a Saint Junipero Serra, that great Franciscan missionary in 1700s California. He spoke of a motto so fitting for such a missionary. Siempre adelante, always forward. Christ invites us and our Holy Father urges us, always forward. 